Um, we have uh, Mufti Manhajuddin Ahmed. He was Hafiz by the age of 10. He completed an eight year Alam course at Dar al Ulum uh, Zakaria, uh, where he studied tafsir and fiqh. He traveled, lectured, and learned throughout the world. He was also a, an Imam at uh, Dar al Salam for four years, and he is now the director of Dar al Salam in Lombard, Illinois. Uh, so, without further ado, I, I would like to introduce uh, Mufti Manhaj. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu wa Nasta'inu, wa Nasta'afiru, wa Nu'minu bihi, wa Natuakalu Ali, wa Na'udu billahi, min Shururi and Fusina, wa Min Sayyati Amalina, Mayahdihila, Ufala Modilla, wa Mayadil, Ufala Hadiella, wa Nashawala Ilah Hilallah, wa Hadahula Sharikala, wa Nashawana Sayyidina Muhammad and Abduhu Rasulu, Sallallahu Ta'ala Alihi, wa Ala Alihi, wa Sahbi Ajma'in wa Ba'd. My dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Indeed, it's a great honor for me to be addressing you in this first session concerning ilm. And mashallah, uh, we just heard pearls of wisdom from our visiting guest all the way from England. May Allah ta'ala reward him for coming all the way out here and uh, bless us, uh, give us the tawfiq to benefit from him, inshallah. The topic was about ilm that we were uh, given to speak about. Ilm is such a vast topic. Just to make it easy uh, both for myself and for you who are mashallah, uh, listening attentively, taking notes, I would like to uh, structure the few minutes we have together to begin number one with in the context of Sharia, in the context of our deen, what is the definition of ilm? How has ilm been defined by those who Allah blessed with the ilm, the ulama, there are many different, different uh, definitions out there. Ibn Qayyim rahimullah in Zadul Ma'ad, he gives the very basic general definition of ilm. Not the istilah, meaning not the terminological definition within the context of Sharia, but even the overall, the general definition in Luha. What is ilm? Naqlu shayin min al-kharij wa ithbatuhu fin nafs. Whereas amal is naqlu shayin min al-batin wa ikhrajuhu ila al-bahir. This is the difference between ilm and amal. Ilm is that when we have, from outside, we acquire knowledge through the means that Allah has given us, through our sight, through our hearing, and through the physical senses, we acquire knowledge of our surroundings, and we uh, uh, increase the information we have about our surrounding. Whereas amal is, that intention that comes from the heart, emanates from the heart, we actualize that with our organs of the body. So these things, two things go hand in hand. So if we gain knowledge about, like for example, you'll be taken to, and he'll be shown the arch, for example, our guest. So now he has the knowledge about the arch, inshallah. Right. So, uh, so this is ilm concerning the arch, how it looks, how beautiful it is, how the sight is from on top, etc. Right. So this is the general uh, definition of ilm. But in the context of sharia, of course, it's much more Khas meaning more uh, specifically, uh, specifically de- uh, uh, more specific that ilm is knowledge of that will bring a person closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It, knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and knowledge of the that of Allah, sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the attributes of who our creator is and to know what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from me in any given moment. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desire from me? If a person is engaged in business then to know uh, how to do that business in the correct manner. 
the person is going to get married, then what are the rights of the husband? What are the rights of the wife? This is knowledge pertaining to nikah. If a, you know, if a person in the ibadat, forms of worship, all of us have to perform salah. How to perform salah in the correct manner? That's it. When we go for hajj, then we learn how to perform hajj in the correct manner. That's the knowledge of ibadat. This is a real story. One of our members of St. Louis, he was going for hajj. I told, I shared this with some of my friends before. But, and then what happens is that he actually, you know, he didn't decide to go for hajj overnight, right? He had to get his visa, he had to apply, and went through all the, you know, nowadays there's a lot of middlemen and a lot of uh, red tape you have to go through just to go for hajj. So this form of ibadah has become a business as was prophesied by Rasulullah unfortunately so. So after going through everything, finally the day for his hajj arrived, then he bought his ticket. Uh, he had bought his ticket before, he boarded the plane, he flew out from St. Louis, and then he is now in Chicago airport, O'Hare. You will get a kick out of this too, Mufti. <laughs> what happens is that, literally he calls me from, uh, where is he? In, in transit, uh, going to Hajj. And he already left his destination, he's in transit in Chicago, O'Hare International Airport, and he calls me and says, Mufti, uh, I got a call from someone, so I picked it up. He says, Mufti, I'm going, I'm going for Hajj. I'm like, MashaAllah, Mubarak, may Allah bless your journey and return safely. Saliman Ghalima, Hajjan Mabruran. Then he says, Yeah, uh, my flight is going to board in uh, 20 minutes. I said, Okay, wow. So you, you're, that was so thoughtful that you wanted to call me from there. He said, Can you quickly run through me how to do Hajj? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, What? You want to learn about Hajj now? You know? So if you think, um, seriously, uh, I was like, you are, are you serious or joking? I mean, that's an interesting joke. He said, no, seriously, I never really had time, right? I never found time to uh, find out how, how, how to do Hajj. And I just quickly run through it. I, was, I tried to summarize as much as I, can, I could, you know, within a few minutes that you had, you know, and I can hear now a flight boarding and, you know, get <laughs> uh, passengers, you know, from seat number so-and-so, so-and-so, please, you know, board or pre-boarding started. I was like, that's it. That's bad enough. Another person called me from Dubai. <laughs> And thirdly, uh, the worst one was a person, I don't know how he found my number, he probably called here and then found out my, my cell number in, in Saudi uh, and he calls me in Hajj. That's the last one. Actually, I was in Hajj and he's calling me and asking me about how to do Hajj. Uh, he was in another group. So, Alhamdulillah, we have to uh, applaud them at least for the desire to learn, you know, even if it's kind of late. But we are, uh, you know, it might seem funny, but actually we are all in the same boat. Uh, when uh, when we were going for uh, when I was actually going for Hajj, uh, first time I was st still a student in South Africa, and from there we went. So one of our teachers, um, we took time from him. We requested him, please, if he could honor us, that we would like to go over a book of Hajj, especially sitting down with you and, you know, as I say, Khardi Mutala, extra Mutala in the after classes. So we used to sit with him, and the first day we opened the book, he said, "Ihram Bardosh of Hajj Karna Nasike." Kafan Bardosh, Afsos, He said, we have the haram on our, on our shoulder and Afsos so sad that we have not learned how to do Hajj. And more than that, he said, we have our kafan. We are wearing our kafan. Our kafan, what's the kafan? The burial shroud. It's on our shoulder, all of us. But we have not learned how to die. And then, uh, anyway, so basically we have to, we have to uh, if you think that's funny, uh, he's going for Hajj. He didn't learn about Hajj. You know, many of you are not married here yet, young students here. But uh, uh, this is something as scholars and muftis, we deal with problems that happen in Nikah all the time. 
And when we explained to them the masail of nikah and talaq afterwards, they're like, hey, no one told us that when we got married. We didn't know. So, the, you know, it's not, ilm is not just concerning ibadat, concerning forms of worship. How to perform salah correctly, how to go for hajj correctly, how to give zakah correctly. Uh, and, uh, but about our mu'amalat, our dealings with one another. And nikah, for example, and talaq, this is a big subject always in MSAs, right? We're going to have our night sessions about that. Uh, but uh, nikah, it, we have to learn about nikah before we get married. There's so much fiqh to nikah. What, as a husband, as you will all inshallah become husbands, the statements you will make, you know, could have a lasting, uh, sometimes irreversible impact on your marriage. This is a great responsibility when you say, yes, I accept her as my wife. You have to learn before we get married. Those who have been married for years, it's not too late. He already said, you can learn uh, till the, uh, you know, uh, till the end. Till we leave this world, you have to continue to learn. Abdullah ibn Mubarak, rahimullah, Amir al-Mu'mineen fil hadith, he was asked that since uh, uh, he was involved in so many different aspects of the deen, he was uh, a very uh, great personality, the giants among giants, or the dawn among dawns, to uh, use his word mentioned, coined earlier. He was, uh, in fact, a man of every single field. In Zuhud, he was a great Zahid and Abid, great Sufi, great Shaykh, great Mujahid in the field, uh, and a great Faqih, scholar, Fiqh, student of Imam Abu Hanifa, Rahmatullahi and Sufyan Thawri. Lawla Sufyan wa Nu'man lakuntu nas. He said, I would be like the other Muhaddithin without Fiqh if I did not stay in the company of Sufyan Thawri and Imam Abu Hanifa, Nu'man ibn Thabit, radiallahu anhuma, rahimahumullah. So, since he was involved in so many things, plus he had a multinational business and cloth merchant, he was a, a great uh, merchant as well. Since he was, so, that's why somebody asked him that since you do so many things, uh, if you had a few moments left in your life and you knew that your, your life is about to uh, finish, uh, what amal would you do? What would you do? Uh, would you perform salah? Would you give sadaqah? Because he was a great uh, uh, merchant and he made a lot of money. He suspended the path of Allah. What would you do? So, he said that. You're asking if I have a few moments left in my life. He made it more graphic, the response and the, even the question was. <laughs> he said that if a sword is placed on my throat and uh, the one who's taking his life, whoever the enemy it may be, is actually, you know, literally sawing through my throat. How long does he have to live? He's going through his trachea. He's going to stop breathing within a few seconds. If that much time is left still in my life, if I had the opportunity to gain knowledge of deen through someone, knowledge of the hadith of Rasulullah and transmit it to someone else, then I would do that. So knowledge is still there. He's speaking about Arabic. Alhamdulillah, I have Arabic classes. I have students who are six years old and I have students who are 65 years old. Right now, 65 year old. Hindu convert to Islam. MashaAllah, he's learning an Arabic language. Coming from a Hindu background. And he is, uh, MashaAllah, progressing as rapidly as others. If not ahead of others. So Alhamdulillah, we have to continue learning. And ilm is just the first step. It doesn't end there. Ilm is just the first step. After ilm is amal. We have to practice what we are learning. If we are learning this knowledge of deen uh, to uh, gain prominence, to be able to uh, show off that knowledge to others, put others down, right? Or to gain name and fame, then uh, the punishment for that is as great as the reward for acquiring it with the correct intention. مَنْ تَعَلَّمَ عِلْمًا مِمَّا يُبْتَغَى بِهِ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ لَا يَتَعَلَّمُهُ إِلَّا لِيُصِيبَ بِهِ عَرَضًا مِنَ الدُّنْيَا لَمْ يَتَدْ عَرَفَ الْجَنَّةِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامِ يَعْنِي رِيحَهَا أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ عَلَى السَّلَامِ The person who acquires the knowledge of deen, 
for any other worldly purpose, then you will not even smell the fragrance of it. And we don't want to uh, just give warnings, we give the bashara, glad tidings as well. With the correct intention, this is in Mishkat al-Masabiya hadith, in Fadl al chapter on the virtues of knowledge, Fasl Salih, this is a Muslim riwayat, just to give the disclaimer, it is a Muslim riwayat of Hassan al-Basri, that uh, he says that Rasulullah said that that a person who death comes upon him in such a state that he is engaged in learning the knowledge of deen with the intention of reviving Islam throughout the world, then that person will be only one station below the prophets in this. So this hadith, if you look at it, man death comes upon such a person. While he is engaged, while he or she is engaged in seeking knowledge to revive Islam. So two things we see here. One is, death comes upon such a person means that it's a continual effort till death. They didn't stop when they graduated. Death comes upon them, they're still engaged in studying knowledge. And what's the intention? The basis of all actions are our intentions. The intention is only and solely to revive Islam. To revive Islam within oneself and within others as well within the entire ummah at large. So this person is going to be so high. Allah will elevate the station of those who have knowledge. How high will this person be? How high high will the station of such a woman or such a man be? One level under the Anbiya, the prophets of Allah. Can anyone ever claim to, uh, hope to ever be at the level of a prophet? Absolutely not. That's Wahhabi from Allah. And this prophethood is, is close with Rasulullah sallallahu Yet one level under the station Anbiya is for those who gain knowledge with the intention of practicing it and reviving it throughout the world. So great is the virtue of knowledge. So we have to acquire knowledge and we have to inquire with intention, not just that, hey, now I know what hadith da'i and da'if is. I know the tafsir, rasul, hadith, fiqh. I know, uh, you know, the, like tomorrow we have the class on the development of fiqh. This is a great difference between our knowledge of ilm Versus the secular sciences. Right? We are here in a great a seat of secular learning. We are here in the St. Louis University. St. Louis University is a, a great place for learning secular sciences. And all of you are engaged primarily in that during this period of time of your life. But this knowledge that we are talking about, this ilm, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, al-ilm nurun. Ilm is not just facts and figures and information. Ilm is a nur. The reality of ilm is a nur, it's a light. It's a light that penetrates into the heart and illuminates that heart. It illuminates our minds. And it brings a person onto amal. So that person's life reflects that ilm. That he is following the sunnah of Rasulullah And he is, he or she is, our actions are in conformance with the will and desire of Allah and the Rasul. Rasulullah told us that al-ilm wa ilman, there are two types of ilm. There's one knowledge that just stays on the tongue. This is the evidence of Allah against his slave. That means if we just acquire the knowledge and we are not practicing it, then what will happen? This is a testimony and a proof of Allah against us in the day of Qiyamah. And that ilm which goes into the bottom of the recesses of our heart. Right? That is a beneficial knowledge. Benefic- beneficial knowledge is what enters into our heart 
and it is shown through our body parts. And Rasulullah he sought that knowledge. He said, Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'ah. Well, Allah, see for me that knowledge which is beneficial. فَعَمَلًا مُتَقَبَّلًا Such an action which is accepted in your court. وَرِزْقًا حَلَالًا وَاسِعًا وَشِفَاءً مِنْ كُلِّ دَاءٍ The dua goes on. Provision which is halal and sufficient and pure from all sicknesses. So he sought knowledge which is beneficial. And at the same time, he sought refuge from knowledge which is not beneficial. اللَّهُمَ إِنِّي أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ لَا يَنْفَعَ Wallah, seek refuge from such knowledge which will not benefit you. There was one person, he came to Masjid Nabawi, and Rasulullah saw that there's a huge crowd of people around him. They're all surrounding him and giving him a lot of attention and everyone's excited about him. So, Rasulullah asked, what's going on? Why is everyone so excited about this outside visitor and guest? What does he have to share? And they said, وَعَلَّامَ He is عَلَّامَ فَعَالَ مُبَالَغَةً Meaning, great, great scholar. So what, what, what scholar of what? What does he have to share? And they said, أَيَّامُ الْعَرَبُ أَنْسَابُ الْعَرَبُ He knows about the history of the Arabs and he knows about the lineage, Ansab. And he's telling us, uh, you know, so much about this tribe and that tribe and what are the great exploits that people have done in the past. So Rasulullah said, اللَّهُمَّ إِنِّي أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ Wallah, I seek your protection from such knowledge which will not benefit you. He diverted attention and he said that this is necessary for us to learn for our survival in the dunya. All of these worldly sciences are there for us. Right? Don't get me wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this dunya for us to benefit from. What is the dunya created for? He created for you all that's in the heavens and the earth. This is for our benefit. All that which is in the heavens and the earth has been created for you, for your service. And how are we going to benefit from this creation if you don't learn about it? How are we going to benefit and know about you know, what's in the oceans if you don't have marine biologists? Or study botany and find out what the cures are uh, Allah has kept in the plants in the, you know, in the Congo or in the Amazon jungle. Or study uh, you know, the astronomy and learn about the, the galaxies and the planets. And study about you know, the chemical properties of what Allah has created in this world, the chemistry and the forces of nature, the physics. The study of life, biology and the forms of zoology and you know, botany and whatever, all the different branches, the human anatomy, the physiology, how the body works. So we have to learn all of these sciences and we should excel in them. In Allah Ta'ala wants you to do everything with perfection. However, the true ilm that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is praising in the Qur'an and is giving, the, granting the fact that uh, the virtue of that those who gain this ilm, they are those who truly fear Allah. Those who have our ulama, they are the ones who are fearing Allah. So, the greatest alim is the one who is the greatest, has the most khashiyah of Allah, most fear of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Islam. And is the, the greatest scientist may be the one who denies the existence of Allah. How can the both be the end? How can science be the end referred to in the Quran? These are funun of the world. These are sciences of the world that we have to learn. These are arts and crafts. These are necessity of life that we must learn and we are, are, should excel in. But the ilm that Allah is saying, Can those who have ilm and those who have, do not have ilm ever be equal? The one that Rasulullah is saying, the virtue of the one who has ilm versus the one who does not have ilm. Fadlul alimi al abid. The virtue of the one who has ilm uh, compared to the one who is a worshipper of Allah. Not a fasiq fajir kafir. Not a disobedient slave or a denier of Allah. The virtue of the one who has ilm versus the one who is worshipping Allah but he does not have ilm. Fadliya ala adnakum. is like my superiority 
over the least amongst you. Kafadil al Qabr, Laylat al Badri, ala sa'il al Kawakib. It is like the full moon in comparison to the stars. And man kharaja fi talab al ilm fahuwa fi sabilillah. The one who treads the path to seek knowledge is in the path of Allah. Hatta yarja, until he returns home. And the one who has knowledge of deen, ashaddu ala shaytani min alfi abidin. He is stronger for shaytan and more difficult for shaytan to uh, misguide than 1,000 worshippers, etc., etc. It goes on, the virtues of knowledge are, you know, not chapters, but books of hadith uh, in which the chapters, uh, virtues of knowledge have been mentioned. Which knowledge is being referred to here? The knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sifat, his attributes, and what does Allah ta'ala want from us? The knowledge of ma'rifatun nafsi ma'alaha wa ma'aliha. Whatever you're supposed to do in every condition of our life. What is the order of Allah pertaining to me as a student, as a child, to my parents? How am I supposed to fulfill their rights? And my siblings, and my neighbors, and my community that I live in, to know their rights, and to know the uh, obligations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is what we have to learn. And perhaps in the past, in every era we should have learned in, but in the past maybe, uh, you know, people could have gotten by with just rudimentary knowledge, and because they had the spirit of sami'na wa ata'na, we hear and we obey. But these institutions that we are now students of, and this culture that we are living in, in this time and era, uh, it is a time of questioning. We are trained to question and investigate everything around us. Right? And we are gaining so much knowledge pertaining to the dunya. And we should learn more, no doubt. About our worldly life, we have so much knowledge. And our knowledge of deen, in comparison, is so minimal. It's insignificant. It's negligible, almost. So that is why the need... To, uh, to acquire ilm is now greater than before. Because the simple poor farmer in a village perhaps in the east, in the past, uh, you know, if he did not acquire that much deep knowledge of ilm, perhaps he could survive. Because he did not have that many objections. He did not have that many questions. His, uh, he was not being challenged by his environment so that he did not need to. Uh, he had basically, you know, uh, like, was, uh, like someone used to make dua in the past that we ask from you, Allah, Imana Aja is Asfahan or Aja is Nishapur. Allah, we ask from you that grant us the Iman of the old woman of Nishapur. Why the Aja is Nishapur? Because the old woman of Nishapur, she had complete unquestioned Iman. She was had the very, very solid belief. She didn't have any doubts. Because Iman, what is Iman? Al Iman shak. There's no room for any doubt in Iman. You either believe or you don't believe. If you have a little doubt in the articles of faith, then you don't have Iman. So she did not have any doubts. We have a lot of doubts. That's another question, point, and a problem that we don't articulate those doubts. We don't talk about them. And, and we don't feel lonely. Because uh, in Kitab al-Iman, in Bab al-Waswasa, in the chapter on Wasawis, the Sahaba, عنهم, they came to Rasulullah and said, we have doubts too, intellectual doubts. Doubts about, uh, you know, existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, doubts about the the oneness and tawheed of Allah, doubts about the reality of Jannah and Jahannam, doubts about the prophethood of Rasulullah, doubts about the veracity of the book of Allah. We have these doubts because we, you know, whether we want to acknowledge them or not, these doubts come and creep up into our mind because of the environment we are living in, the way we are growing, and because of nafs and shaitan, they do come. And uh, many people go through, uh, you know, certain, you know, it's almost like there's certain peers in their life when they actually, uh, whether they say it or not, they go through a phase of riddha almost. I'm not talking about falling into sin and disobedience. I'm talking about riddha means giving up on Islam. Literally giving up on Islam. People come and tell us, you know, students, we know that 
these are not, uh, you know, parents uh, who are not uh, engaged in the masjid and this and that and didn't expose them to Islam. They are literally praying. They say we have to, we end up praying with our parents too. Just because we have to. But between me and you, I don't even believe in Allah anymore. That's how the situation is dangerous. How dangerous the situation is. That we are losing Iman because we have not acquired our end. All the objections that we have, all of the answers are there. If you will take the time to learn and and contact those and have build relationships with those who can satisfy our intellectual curiosity. But وَآيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ فِي صُدُورِ الَّذِينَ مُتَلْعِنَ وَمَا يَجْحَدُ بِآيَاتِنَا إِلَّا الْكَافِرُونَ إِلَّا الظَّالِمُونَ There are clear, clear evident signs that this is the word of Allah. Those whose hearts have been granted knowledge, they will accept it immediately. No one can deny it. وَمَا يَجْحَدُ بِآيَاتِنَا No one can deny our signs إِلَّا الظَّالِمُونَ Except for those who are bent on open you know, uh, injustice, they can deny the obvious. They, the sun can be shining and they can say, I don't believe it exists, it's dark. What are you going to do with those people? So these type of doubts came upon greater people than us, upon the noble companions of the Prophet. And they came and asked Rasulullah Rasulullah said, well, they actually said that, Ya Rasulullah, we have such doubts that we cannot even say it with our tongue. We would rather be burned and turned into ashes than to articulate them in your noble presence. He said, He said, this is the reality of faith and have istiqamah. And the, the, the shaitan only attacks where there is a treasure. The thief only attacks where there is a treasure. Shaitan is attacking you and trying to play around with your belief because you do have iman. And he gave us uh, different ways to come out of these wasawas. We have to gain ilm. Ilm is a solution to jahl, the ignorance. And this ignorance is leading us. It's not a matter of that we're not even performing our salah correctly or not going for hajj correctly as I mentioned earlier. Or our mu'amalat, our dealings, how our husbands are treating wives and wives to husbands. And uh, how we are entering into different types of business contracts and and different types of you know uh, riba and sin we are getting involved in because not having knowledge. Beyond that, now it's a matter of our aqidah itself. It's a matter of our belief. So we have to, of course, start with learning Arabic, start with learning uh, uh, about the deen, but our intention has to be clear. Why are we learning this ilm? Number one, not to impress anyone else, but rather to gain guidance so we can practice the deen in our own life. And we ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah grant us that ilm which is nafi', which is beneficial. And allow us to practice on this ilm. And after practice on this ilm, then we have to worry about the next level. What is that? Istiqama. To be continually practicing that. We can't practice one day and then give it up. And after we have istiqama, we have to have, again, ikhlas, sincerity in it. Like in the famous statement, they say, Anas kulluhum halikun. Or halka. All the people are going towards utter destruction. They're lost. Right? All the people are heading towards destruction illala except for those who are alimin alimin except for those who have ilm because without knowledge a person is blind in ignorance and ignorance will lead a person astray except for those who have knowledge and all those who have knowledge they're also going towards destruction except for those who make amal practice on that knowledge and those who are practicing on that knowledge they're also in going towards destruction unless they have istiqama which means steadfastness and continuity of practice and those who have steadfastness in istiqama, they have to have ikhlas. And those who have ikhlas, they have to have, where are they? Are they safe? وَالْمُخْلِسُونَ عَلَىٰ خَطَرٍ عَظِيمٍ Those who have sincerity, they're at a very dangerous uh, edge. Anytime they could fall off if their intention changes. So we have to guard our intentions. We have to guard our hearts. We have to engage in the seeking of knowledge for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And... What he said is so correct in that when we gain the knowledge of deen, 
this will open up our horizons, open up our understanding, open up uh, our respect for different views. And it is our ignorance uh, which leads us towards arrogance. Ignorance leads to arrogance. How? Because a person who is ignorant, he's ignorant of his own limitations. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. Whereas the scholar and the one who is a true student of knowledge, he knows that how much knowledge he doesn't know. I'll repeat that. Ignorance leads to arrogance because a person is ignorant of his own limitations. They think they know it all. The ignorant person thinks, I know everything. Whereas the true scholar and true student of deen is the one who knows how much he doesn't know. He's always ready to learn. This is a very famous statement, always repeated by my shayah. But at our graduation, after studying Islamic sciences full-time for 10 years, finally when we were graduating, what did our mashayah say? And his mashayah told him the same thing. That when you came here, you came with jahal marakkab. You're leaving with jahal mukhrab. Right? When you came here, you came with uh, uh, double. Jahal murakkab is compound ignorance. Jahal murakkab means you came with ignorant. You were so ignorant, you were also ignorant of the fact of how ignorant you are. And now that you are leaving, Alhamdulillah, you have graduated from Jahal Murakkab to Jahal Mufrad. Right? It's compound ignorance to sing, uh, uh, simple ignorance. Simple ignorance means that now we are, you are at least, you are aware of your ignorance and you know now how much you don't know. Before you also did not know how much you are missing out. Now you know how much you don't know. So the Baharul Ilmi La Sahilala, the ocean of knowledge has no shore. The ocean of knowledge has no shore. Imam Ghazali's name was mentioned. He says that. Uh, I am. I have not wet my toes in the water. I'm just playing with the seashells on the shore. He has not. He says I have not even entered the water. So the knowledge is so, knowledge of deen is so vast. Knowledge of deen is so vast. And if we have certain opinions, everything that that's the only way. Right. That means we have to. There's much more we need to learn. Then we will become more accepting inshallah. <coughs> and. There are certain adab and etiquettes of learning in too. We have to, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq that we have more time to sit together to discuss how we should acquire it and who should we acquire the knowledge of deen from. Imam Muslim, rahmatullah in the muqaddama of his Sahih Muslim, the introduction to his Sahih Muslim, uh, Muslim ibn Hajjaj Nishapuri, what does he say? He quotes a statement from Muhammad ibn Sirin. Muhammad ibn Sirin was one of the tabi'in, second generation. Uh, he was more well known for interpretation of dreams. But his knowledge was not limited to interpreting dreams. Rather, he was a great muhaddith as well from Basra. And Muhammad ibn Sirin said, Knowledge, this is your deen. Knowledge is deen. Knowledge is deen. Be very careful from whom you're acquiring your knowledge. Because the convenience is there in the online, which was mentioned. But at the same time, you have to be very careful. There are those uh, diff- different uh, various sects out there and various groups who claim to be Muslims. And uh, some of them, I, I use a strong term, claim to be Muslims, because I'm talking about outright non-Muslims. When I'm speaking about, uh, like, for example, Qadianis, uh, who deny the, prof- uh, the finality of the prophethood of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So they are, have very beautiful websites too. Very beautiful, uh, attracting websites about, uh, about the Quran, for example. And if you're going to study from such website, then you'll definitely go astray. So we need to have local scholarship. That, alhamdulillah, we are blessed here in this community with the new imam, those who are from St. Louis, primarily most of the people here from St. Louis. So we should benefit from our imam, who is, mashallah, who has studied formally and who has uh, 
has sanad and ijazah. So, and take his advice and uh, build relationships with him. And if he will advise you, inshallah, and I'm available anytime, I could also help anyone. And uh, other mashayikh who are here visiting, build relationships with them. You know, this is a day and age of social, you know, networking and Facebook and Twitter and everything. But let us not underestimate the original classical methodology of person-to-person contact. And it is through these relationships that we will gain the knowledge from heart to heart. This is the unbroken chain of tradition. From the heart of Rasulullah the knowledge came into his companions and from their hearts to those who came after till today. Rasulullah said, in every generation there will be the selected slaves of Allah who will gather the knowledge, acquire the knowledge from the previous generation. And they will transmit it to the next. And they will preserve it and safeguard it from the um, false notions of those who will try to falsify it and those who will try to interpret it in different ways. They're so-called reformist movements, right? They want to reconstruct and deconstruct Islam. Right? Islam is, uh, is, mashallah, is beautiful. The Quran, you know, does not become outdated. It's not dated in the first place to become outdated. It's the eternally uh, relevant message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, we have to contextualize our deen in our present environment, in every environment. But at the same time, this so-called movements to totally uh, come up with a new paradigm that are out there. We have to be aware of such so-called reformist movements within academic circles and hold on to the truest deen from the right sources. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant all of us the tawfiq to gain the correct knowledge and translate that knowledge into amal and be among those who uh, will be raised with the ulama on the day of qiyamah. Wa akhru da'wana alhamdulillah.